Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are the one who has the words of life. And so we ask for your help this morning, that you would give us understanding into your word, not just in our hearts and minds, but also in our actions so that we can live it out. And we ask this in your name. Amen. A month ago, I was on a flight from Denver to Pittsburgh. I sat down in the middle of the exit row, and on either side of me were two successful businessmen. None of us had met each other. The conversation started before takeoff, and it didn't stop until baggage claim. Three and a half hours is a lot of talking. It quickly became clear that one of these men was an ardent pro-union Democrat, and the other a devout Tea Party Republican. It also became clear that one was an ardent Catholic and one an ardent Lutheran. The conversation ranged from politics to business to religion. And then one of them said, look, all religion is personal. You know that. All that matters is what's in your heart. It was great. (laughs) One of the classic statements of American pop religion, of American pop Christianity, Faith is private. All that matters is what's in your heart. That was the one statement of the flight that did not erupt into World War III. (laughs) But by that point, I'd realized that at least one of these guys just wanted to talk. He just wanted to argue. He was more interested in being his own authority than in being open to ideas that might change his view of the world. I can't remember the last time I was in a conversation that lasted that long on a plane from from takeoff to landing. After listening to those two men talk for three and a half hours, you may think that I have a very good idea of what they believe. But Jesus says, not so fast. Hearing people's words will not tell you what they believe. Seeing their actions will. Jesus was going about the stuff he did. He was teaching and healing. And when these talkers walked up, a group of religious leaders who wanted to talk and argue and cause a commotion and get Jesus in trouble. This morning, let's look at what Jesus said to them. Then let's look at why he said that. And then finally, let's look at what his words mean for our lives. First, let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus is talking with these people who think they know what they believe. They think they know what they believe. Sometimes, we aren't always aware of what we believe. We may think that we believe one thing, When in reality, we actually believe something else. Take me for example. I believe that one of the things Jesus most wants for my life is for me to love the poor. I believe I love the poor. But 
Every time my income has increased over the past six years, my giving to the poor has not increased. My tithe has increased. The amount of money I spend on myself has increased. But the money I give to the poor hasn't increased. So I say I love the poor, but I don't hang out with the poor. I live in one of the nicest neighborhoods in the city. I don't go to visit or serve the poor very often. And sometimes when I do, I get uncomfortable. So I may believe that I love the poor, but what my actions show is that I really believe in my own comfort. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's good. That is not what God wants for my life. But what I'm saying is, we all have two different sets of belief sets that are going on in our lives. We have beliefs that we say with our words, that we say with our thoughts. These are proclaimed beliefs, the things we think we believe. But we also have our actual beliefs, our lived beliefs, the beliefs that drive our actions and our lives, even if we're not aware of them. We're much more aware of our proclaimed beliefs, and we often get blind to the places where our proclaimed beliefs and our lived beliefs don't add up. Earlier in Matthew's gospel in chapter 12, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We could encapsulate his teaching from this passage by saying, out of the overflow of the heart, the person acts. Or, how you live reveals what you believe. Our words and our actions leak out of our hearts, revealing what's really in there. So Jesus is confronted by this group of people who think they know what they believed. They believed they were listening to God and doing what he wanted. But Jesus sees something else. He tells them a story to open their eyes. He says, a man had two sons. He needed them to go work in the vineyard. So he, he told the first son, son, will you go and work in the vineyard today? And that son said, no, I'm not going to do that. But later that son changed his mind and went to work. The same man went to his second son and said, go and work in the vineyard today, son. I need you to do this. And that son said, okay, dad, I'll go. But he didn't go. So Jesus asks, which of these two sons did the will of the father? And these talkers answered the first one. Even though he said he wouldn't go, he went and did what his father wanted. And Jesus says to these religious talkers, you guys are the second son. You're talk, talk, talk. All you do is talk. You know all the right things to say. But you're fooling yourselves. You don't do what the father wants. You think you're the ones that have it figured out, but it's the tax collectors and the prostitutes. They're the ones who should be your example. They're entering the kingdom ahead of you. Why? Because they heard John the Baptist's message, believed his message, and responded to his message by changing their lives. That's what Jesus says in the passage. But why does he say it? 
there are at least two reasons. First, because it is so easy to fool ourselves. It is so easy to become the religious leaders, the religious talkers, who think they know and believe all the right things, but are just giving God lip service. He says this to wake us up. Secondly, Jesus says this to give us hope. Our present and future are much more important to Jesus than our past. Jesus tells the crowds around him that the hookers and the financial cheats are better examples of following God than many of their religious leaders. They were better examples because even though they started out disrespectful to God, saying, no, I'm not going to go work in your vineyard. I don't care what you want. They came to their senses, owned up to what they had done, and changed the course of their lives. There are two NFL quarterbacks that I think are fantastic role models, but they're very different role models. The first is Peyton Manning, the quarterback for the Colts, who is almost perfect on the field. Off the field, he is perfect. He seems perfect. He's scandal-free. He treats others well. He works hard and conducts himself in the best possible way. He's a great role model. The other great role model is very different from Peyton Manning. And that is Michael Vick. Michael Vick has been trapped in scandal for a long time now. A number of years ago, he was arrested and spent two years in jail for organizing a dogfighting ring. He'd organized these things where dogs would tear each other to pieces for his own entertainment. It was amazing to watch the public's reaction. Rightly, people went ballistic on him. It was like the entire country was against him. It was fascinating because... There's so many sex scandals and other kinds of scandals that people rightly get upset about, but so many other people just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, uh, you know, they're only human, or, or something to that effect. But it seemed like the entire country was on this guy's case. But even more amazing was Michael Vick's response. Unlike so many people, he took responsibility. He apologized explicitly and repeatedly. And then he said, I know I messed up and I need to change. And he did change. He did the perfect repentance U-turn. And even when people keep getting on his case, he just keeps doing his thing, changing his life. Peyton Manning is a great role model. But sometimes I wonder if we need more role models like Michael Vick. It seems to me we spend so much time pretending that we're perfect. We spend enough time pretending that we're Peyton Manning even when we mess up. And all of us mess up. But I wonder if we would be better off if we followed the example of Michael Vick and owned up to our junk and changed our lives. That's why Jesus loved these tax collectors and these prostitutes, because they didn't pretend that everything was okay. 
and they took responsibility and asked for forgiveness and changed their lives. It's striking that in this passage, Jesus clearly states that what you do determines your salvation. And we might say, I thought that that isn't right. I thought it was faith that determines our salvation. We have faith and we don't earn our salvation. It's, it's this gift. And that is also true. So how can we make those two things? How can we reconcile those truths? The key to meshing those is to understand that we often erect a false dichotomy between our faith and beliefs and our actions. We're saved by faith. It's a gift. We didn't do anything for that gift. But if we have faith and believe who Jesus is, that faith and belief will spill out into our actions. And if that faith and belief does not spill out into our actions, it's probably a sign that we actually don't believe in Jesus. We've looked at what Jesus said and why he said it. What does this mean for our lives? Jesus tells us this so that we can take a fresh look at our lives. So that we can get beyond any blinders we may have on and see what we really believe. He wakes us up and shows us that what we really believe will come out in our actions. And he gives us hope that no matter what we have done, even if we've thumbed our nose at God and said, I'm not interested in what you want. Amazingly, Jesus doesn't care about that as long as we're willing to make a course correction. He tells these religious leaders and he tells us, I will gladly forgive you if you have ignored me in the past. If when you hear my word, you make a course correction. That's the model I want to, you to follow. And it turns out, back to our conversation from the plane, that faith isn't private. What you do or don't do will reveal what you believe. But the danger is, if we're not paying attention to what our actions are telling us, We'll just keep cruising through life on autopilot. Like those religious talkers thinking that, hey, everything's great, everything's okay. Thinking we have everything figured out, but we're only fooling ourselves. If you want to know what you really believe, pay attention to your actions. Here are a couple questions to think about this week. What are my actions telling me about what I believe. Are there any disconnects between what my mouth and mind say I believe and what my actions say I believe? And if so, how can I make the necessary changes with God's help? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. And we need you to teach us. Please show us any areas in our life 
where we've got a disconnect, where our actions are not in line with what you want for us, where what we think we believe isn't being reflected in our lives. I ask that you would show us those things. And please give us the courage and the ability to make a course correction. For our sake, for your sake, and for your kingdom's sake. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.